0: This is Before the Light Goes Out, with Catherine Williams. Samantha Parton is best known as a founding member of award-winning Canadian folk bluegrass group, the Be Good Tanyas. The Vancouver native is a singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist. Parton formed the group in the late nineties with Jolie Holland, eventually adding Trish Klein and Frazee Ford. Their three albums, Blue Horse, Chinatown, and Hello Love, all found critical acclaim and huge audiences both sides of the pond. In 2017, she teamed up with Jolie Holland and released Wildflower Blues. Welcome, Sam Parton.
1: Hi, Catherine. It's so good to be here. So
0: good to see your face. (laughs) So we are in time zone difference because you're in Vancouver and I'm in Newcastle, so for me, it's, what's the time here? It's quarter to five, my time. What time is it for you? It's quarter to ten in the morning. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're, we're at slightly different ends of the day, but we can both reminisce on our sleep. So my first question is, how did you sleep last night?
1: I had an amazing sleep last night. Just one of those sleeps where you go to sleep, and then you wake up. And you don't, you didn't have a dream. You just, something happened and you just, that was it. There were no drugs involved. It was just, it was just me closing my eyes and waking up like I'd had a surgery, you know, seven hours or eight hours later, wondering if the surgery had happened yet. Are you a good sleeper usually? I think the reason why I had a sleep like that last night is because I'm not a good sleeper. So I've had about four nights in a row of not good sleep. This is my cycle. I'll have a few nights of bad sleep and then I'll just conk out and have a really amazing, amazing sleep. So I'm thankful for last night's sleep. (laughs) Needed it. And where are you sleeping tonight? (sighs) It's anyone's guess, really. I'm sleeping in my bed at home tonight with my husband. With your husband. And where's that? It's upstairs.
0: I love when I ask people where they're sleeping because it either goes really specific, like in in a bed, or they go, in the world. Where's the strangest place you've ever slept?
1: Oh, um, oh, goodness me. Uh, The strangest place I've ever slept is probably inside another person's body. That's kind of weird when you think about it, right? That's the first thing that comes to you. (laughs) That's the first thing that comes to me, yes. What's weird about it, too, is that there was somebody else with me at that time, my sister, so... (laughs) <laughs> because I'm a twin, but after I was born, the strangest place that I ever slept, probably I've slept in some beautiful places because i'm I'm a real hippie, so i i spend I spent a lot of years living kind of in the countryside and sleeping on you know the back of a pickup truck in a field in the middle of nowhere, under the stars as while elks, you know herds of elk kind of roamed around, things like that. I slept in a farmer's field in um, Okima, Oklahoma, when I went there to, you know, track the ghost of Woody Guthrie when I was, like, 22, <laughs> and kind of, a, you know, trying to, you know, follow the uh, Steinbeck-Dylan-Woody Guthrie trail, and I got in a little bit of trouble for that. The farmer found me and didn't like it, and that, to me, that just made the experience even more authentic. <laughs> I've slept on beaches, you know, in Thailand and, and things like that. And can you sleep anywhere? You know, I think when, you, when you're a touring musician, you do kind of learn to sleep absolutely anywhere. But as I've gotten older, I've become a much uh, lighter sleeper, I think. I'm trying to figure out if that's true or if it's just that my husband snores. And so I don't sleep very well, which is definitely something I've discovered. We now tape his mouth up at night, which is weird. Maybe I shouldn't say that but um, on the podcast, but it's true. But yeah, I, can, I'm, I tend to be able to sleep anywhere, although less and less these days. I, I want to, as I near, you know, death, as I get closer and closer to death, I feel kind of like everything is more precious, including the choices about like where I'm going to sleep. So I'm going to save it. I'm not going to fall asleep like on the bus, for example, <laughs> heading downtown, drooling or whatever. I never did that, I don't think. Certainly I'm more discerning about where I might, I might sleep.
0: Yeah, I like that first couple of questions that we've had, you've talked about pre-birth and death. <laughs> do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone?
1: Well, uh, I love Pete, my husband. I do miss him when he isn't there, but I also luxuriate when he isn't there. I also have kept my own space, my own apartment. We actually keep separate homes, which is, they're upstairs and downstairs. So I will sleep in my own place when needed. So I think I probably, I, as much as I love him and, you know, love his body next to me and need that kind of comfort, I also really occasionally need to be solo. Does that need to be solo? It's not just because of
0: arguments. You just need time without it being a negative reason. Is that?
1: Definitely not a negative reason. I see it as very, very positive. It's that feeling of a bed of one's own. When you're, I think, when you're a creative person, like for me, my bed sometimes is where I'll do writing or it'll be like, there's a little tiny, tiny sliver of it that I sleep on. And the rest is like books and notebooks and whatever stuff. It's not always like that. Sometimes it's just part of my kind of messy mind is that space. I also live in like one room. Like our, the, the apartment that I have and he has, they're both single room loft apartments, very small. So I carve out these zones for myself that are my own little room um, as much as I can. And the bed is its own room, in a way. That's like on tour,
0: though, isn't it? You'll, like, create a nest here and there and...
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember being on tour with the Tanya's and I was sharing a hotel room with Trish Klein and she whips out this beautiful, like, gauzy Indian scarf and she threw it over the lampshade and it changed the whole vibe of the room. And I thought, that is, like, really, that's a good hack. This girl is professional. Professional boho traveler
0: (laughs) spoon cuddle or space that's my question to you
1: they all have their own place and time so i'm going to say cuddle in the first part of the night space for most of the night and occasionally spoon in the morning spoon in the morning spoon in the morning and the other the weird thing about me is because you know, my first experience of sleeping in my life when I was in the womb was with somebody else, with my, my twin sister. I I have to sleep on the left side of the bed or the room or whatever it is. Always, always, always. And I have this theory that I must have been on my sister's left side when we were in the womb. Because if I'm on the wrong side, I really like it's over. I can't sleep. I feel terrible. Everything feels wrong. It's like trying to write with the wrong hand. So
0: does that impact you? Do you think having always had someone there, do you think that makes
1: you in need of a constant companion? Or the opposite. Like, get the fuck away from me. (laughs) Like, give me some space. Like, space is a luxury because I I didn't have it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do. I find great comfort in holding someone or something in my arms, as long as I'm on the left side. That feels really primal to me, for sure, and I'm sure that has to do with my sister. We haven't cuddled since. That would be weird if we did, I think. Did you say you haven't cuddled since the womb? My sister and I? No. We haven't cuddled since the womb. Is that weird? Yeah. I cuddle my sister all the time. You do? Yeah. One time my sister asked me to cuddle her and I said no because I thought it was weird. Why is that weird? (laughs) This is going down. (laughs) I'm really interested. Are you identical twins as well? I think so. We're not entirely sure. We've heard different stories from my mother who's a very unreliable narrator. So the origins of, of me are still shrouded in mystery to be honest. So we do look alike. But I'm quite a bit taller than she is. So we have this kind of feeling that we are identical, but there's something that happened where I sprouted, I don't know, four inches taller than she is or something. So
0: You took charge of the straw Mm -hmm. in the room. You're like, give me this nutrition. (laughs) (laughs) Do you sleep all the way through at night? Very
1: rarely. I have this terrible... Affliction, actually, which is I, I, had, a, I had a pretty bad um, car accident and I had a head injury and something happened to the nerves in my head and in my ears where my ears and my throat are in spasm 24-7 pretty much. And sometimes I don't notice it, but if I notice it, it's impossible to sleep. And so I'll wake up in the night and I'll notice that my ears are in spasm, which means really loud popping, pressure changes, lots of tinnitus, and sometimes quite a bit of pain. And it is like torture. So if I wake up and I notice my ears, it's very hard for me to get back to sleep. And I'll maybe go to the couch. Sometimes I'll put on like a meditation app and on my phone and listen to that, and that'll really, really help. But yeah, I have this kind of ongoing nightmare in my life of this, these ear issues that really keep me from, from sleep. So I've become somebody who's become a little bit obsessed with sleep because of it, because I feel like it's so precious. And yeah, at the same time, if I pay a lot of attention to all the things that the sleep scientists are saying about sleep, Then sleep is like a thing and then it stresses me out and then it makes it worse. So I try to do things like make sure that I have sheets, a duvet that I, I like and that a pillow is good and that I have like, I have this beautiful aromatherapy spritzer, the smell of a forest, things like that that just kind of like help create a beautiful environment and that helps a lot. But you didn't just have one car accident, did you? You had two. I had two. And then on the heels of those, I had, uh, I had a brain aneurysm and I had brain surgery. And I really think all those, all those things together really kind of caused some, with my spine being injured and my brain being injured, there's something went offline, I guess. No one's been able to figure it out. It's just some mystery. I love that you're a
0: mystery. (laughs) I remember you telling me that it was articulated trucks, wasn't it, that hit you? And then with the second crash, it was because of that that they found the brain aneurysm, is that right?
1: Yeah, well, the the first crash was six months before the second crash. The first crash, I love that you say articulated trucks. I've never heard that before, but I assume you mean like a big giant, no, it was a big, one of these big pickup trucks. There was a very profound impact that i I don't really remember. I blacked out, but yeah, i had a I had a head injury. you know, my head immediately swelled up on you know on one side and and um, so they scanned my brain, and they had to do a few scans, and in one of those scans, they found out that I had this brain aneurysm, which might have been a cause of of the impact, but i I don't really know and And then I had a second crash. But yeah, I was very fortunate actually to have this car accident situation because if I hadn't had that and and the aneurysm was there, I probably I might I might be dead or disabled from from that cuz they would not have found it. So who knows? I just I do feel like life is so mysterious and strange and you just it's easy to get caught up in thinking that something terrible has happened to you or that your song sucks, or whatever it is, but you just never know what um, the outcome is going to be, right? So I tend to float around these days on this kind of feeling of this delicate optimism. So does the delicate
0: optimism help get you back to sleep? No. Is it physical things that keeps you awake, or is it thoughts?
1: I talk about this beautiful, delicate optimism. I would say that's my companion in the day, but at night, it's all the doom and gloom of the world. <laughs> worrying about everything, the worrying that I don't do during the day because I'm floating on clouds of delicate optimism absolutely descends on me <laughs> in the night. <laughs> and I think about absolutely everything from climate change to you know children who haven't been born yet to I don't know. Pete, you know, I have this, this fear that I'm going to wake up and Pete's going to be dead. Or, you know, I have these... <laughs> I really let, let it all unspool in the middle of the night when I'm not sleeping.
0: So you just become this horrific sort of worrier, stressor. And then in the day, everyone who meets you is like, oh, Sam, she's so mellow. This, she hasn't got any problems. <laughs> Do you write better in the day or night and has that changed over the years
1: i write certainly better in the day but probably i probably would be somebody if i ever got around to it who would do well to write first thing in the morning morning pages that kind of thing but i find my mornings have to do with making coffee hanging out Doing, you know, listening to the radio. Oh my God, can you hear that? Yeah, what is that? It's a, it's a fire alarm in my building. Are you going to have to leave? They must be testing it because it's not, a. Uh, it stopped. Huh,
0: okay. If I see any flames behind you, I'll let you know and we can resume this podcast another time. Yes. Oh my God. It's gone again. Okay, well, let's just keep going. So my next question was going to be quiet or noise. <laughs> Not as in fire alarms, but to get to sleep. Do you read a book uh, or chat? Can you listen to music or radio
1: or podcast? What's your preferred way? Pete is really into podcasts. He's the podcast man in our household. I'm not that into podcasts because I think naturally I like quiet. We listen to Roman Mars. Do you know this one? 99%
0: invisible. Hello, this is Roman Mars. I'm Roman Mars.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love Roman. I do love that voice. So we do listen to podcasts. And I found that it does it does lull me to sleep as long as it's not if it's somebody with a really crazy voice or two people talking too much or vocal fry or any of these things that I find personally very annoying then uh, that'll take over and I won't be able to get to sleep but if it's Roman Mars or somebody with a beautiful you know calming voice that will help me the content I don't care about the information I in fact it's really I think if it's not a good voice, then I'm paying too close attention to the information and then that's gonna maybe mess up my sleep or give me weird dreams or something. but I also really love um, to have a hot bath and listen to really beautiful classical music or ambient music or anything that's kind of immersive instrumental for sure
0: i'm now thinking about a podcast of hello sam this is how to boil an egg Uh, first open your fridge door (laughs) i just want to do that for you yes then lift the egg out of the box Place it in the. <laughs> I Can't do it without laughing. Sorry. This is my last question. Can you remember a lullaby, song, or book that sent you to sleep as a
1: child? No. No, I cannot. I remember talking to my sister. I don't. I have very. Well, I must say, I have no memories of my parents reading to me other than at like Christmas when my mother would read the night before Christmas which is a beautiful memory that I have. I really remember bedtime kind of being about me and my sister in our little room in our little twin beds kind of talking to each other in in our little cute little kid voices and probably helping each other get to sleep. That way we might have sung to each other but no I don't I don't really have memories of lullabies, or although I'm sure my mother sang to us. I don't remember it. Were you a good sleeper as a child? I remember, um, I had a lot of, a lot of sleep disturbance as a child. Maybe because of my sister being in the room, or maybe I had anxiety as a child. I had, my parents were as I recall. I remember waking up. I remember crying, and I remember no one ever coming when I would cry. That's an early memory for me. I think my parents kind of had this, or my mom. My mom was a single mom for a while. Um, She and my, my dad split up when I was very, very small, less than a year old, I think. So I remember there was some trauma in my early life, and it kept me, for sure, kept me from having good sleeps
0: gosh it's amazing that you can remember crying and nobody come in and is that the same with your sister that the both of you would cry yeah 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 isn't that sad it's really sad you've got a brother as well though
1: have a brother who slept in a different room Mm -hmm. down the hall and is he older or younger he is a little bit older he's 11 months older
0: Wow, so your mom had three...
1: My mom, my mom had three babies all in the same year. He was born in January and my sister and I were born in December of the same year. And then she became a single mom pretty quick. I imagine my poor mother with these three crying babies. She was very young, trying to figure out how to survive and how to be a person in the world with these three crying children. Wow. Did you see your dad? I, I did not ever see him again until I was 19. Till you were 19? Yeah, I didn't see him again. And how did that come about? Oh gosh, Catherine, it's such a story. Oh, I knew he existed. I knew his name. I didn't know where he was. My mother remarried, so I was raised by a stepfather. Who, who wanted, did not want us to find, or know anything about our, our real father. I think he felt quite threatened by that. But I always wanted to find him. And I found, when I was about 12, I found a couple of Bob Dylan records in my parents' record collection that had his name on them. So I thought, oh my God, my father. I didn't know who Bob Dylan was, but I thought, is this my father on this album cover? Oh. And I listened to the music and it was all, you know, Self Portrait was one of the albums. Nashville Skyline was the other. And I really kind of had this idea of my father is like living inside these songs, like Mighty Quinn and all the tired horses. And yeah, so I really I was 12 and I really that really helped me determine that I was going to find him because I boy, I really loved that music. And uh, I thought, wow, if this is what he was into, I'm really into him. And then my aunt, my mother's sister, who had a really contentious relationship with my stepfather, they had had a big fight to kind of get revenge on him. She came to me and she said, I know where your father is. I ran into him in my town. She lived in Victoria, which was, is about two hours away from Vancouver. And she ran into him walking down the street, recognized him. So she told me that he lived in Victoria and I went to the library and I looked him up in the phone book and I wrote him a letter and he came to town and we met. And then we had this really great relationship that was very, a big theme in our relationship was Bob Dylan.
0: And did you recognize him as soon as you
1: saw him? Oh yeah, very much, yeah, yeah. And are you still in contact now? He died, he died about eight years ago. Yeah, but we did have a great relationship for the time that we had.
0: That's amazing. And did your sister have a relationship with him, too?
1: She did, but she had moved away to the other side of the country, so she didn't get to see him as much. But I did. And, I, and he lived in the countryside, and so I would go visit him, and his house was on this little creek in, in a forest, and I always had great sleeps there. I would just have this beautiful bed. He had this old brass bed, and I could hear the creek. It was a great feeling to feel like I was in his home and was comfortable and comforting and...
0: Oh, because you've always loved a cabin, haven't you? I've always
1: loved a cabin, yeah.
0: So maybe one of your songs that means something to you for Sleep Time would be one of those Dylan songs, I guess?
1: You know, I am still kind of obsessed with Dylan as a songwriter. And if I ever tried to listen to Dylan to help me sleep, there's no way. I would be up, I would just stay up for days and days because I'm so into his lyrics. They take me on such a journey that I, there's no way that I could sleep. I do think that one song, All the Tired Horses, that could probably, if I put that on a, on a loop, that, that might help me sleep it's so stimulating hearing music and
0: lyrics because you're continually trying to unpick it and pull it apart and work out
1: why it's so good. Exactly, exactly. Cannot listen to music with lyrics and and try to sleep. Impossible. Well, I've
0: loved chatting to you and hearing so many things that I never knew before. Thank you for being on my podcast, Sam Parton.
1: Thank you so much, Catherine. I love you so much.